this morning. Kids, don't forget, set up straight, pay attention. Mateo, make sure they're, uh, well, you're, you don't forget. That's good. Don't forget, kids, Elijah, that includes you. So don't forget we're going to try doing for you guys today a little bit of a surprise, a little bit of something special. But a second Samuel chapter number 6, we're going to read this. My sermon title tonight is Yes, But No. My sermon is Yes, But No. And uh, there's actually a meme out there. It's kind of funny. It's like, yes, actually, yeah, but no. So just going to shorten it, yes, but no. And you think about it, um, this kind of has a, a lot of people have preached this, preached out of this sermon before, talking about the new cart. And uh, one, of, one of the great sermons that I've ever heard was preached about the new cart, and I forgot who preached it. But uh, decades have gone by since the Ark of the Covenant was present in the house of God. Um, Eli had failed, of course, you know, is to maintain that order and truthfulness among the priesthood, and thus the offering of the Lord was hated. We know that from Second Samuel chapter, First Samuel chapter two, that Eli's two sons were wicked. They started stealing from the offering. People saw the crookedness and deceit that was being taken place, and it was un, it was unheeded, it was unchecked. And then when Eli did have a problem with it, he went to his he went to his, to his sons and said, "Hey, you shouldn't do this." You really shouldn't do this. And that was the end of it. As a high priest, you should have been, he, those two sons should have been cast out and kicked out and condemned with guilt, but he didn't. Eli didn't do anything about it. But Eli failed to maintain order and truthfulness. And well, of course, we read this morning, Eli was partakers of that as well in some of the things that he did. Um, Eli, Eli didn't stand up because he was partakers of other men's sins. He didn't handle it properly. As a steward of God, he didn't handle what he was supposed to handle. For years now, the mercy seat was absent. The Ark of the Covenant, the testimonies, the tablets, everything that was in the Ark of the Covenant had been missing. We don't know how long it was, but we know Samuel did. Samuel was an old man when he died. And yet the Ark of the Covenant was taken out when Samuel was but a child, a wee child, small child. So for how many years the Ark of the Covenant, from the years of Saul's reign into David's early part of the years, we don't know how long it was, but it was more than a year. It was more than a couple weeks. This We're talking decades. I would say seven, eight decades or more. But for years, the mercy seat was absent. For a year, the sacrifices, you know, take the sacrifice once a year, take the lamb, make an atonement for the whole for the whole people, right? Take the blood, sprinkle upon the mercy seat. And they were still continuing to do this practice without the mercy seat. They are still making sacrifices without the mercy seat. They're still doing the practices of the temple, still carrying on the things of God, Without the mercy seat being present. Now, let's understand that the Mark of the Covenant had no particular power of itself. God struck down Uzzah. God smote Adimadab and Abihu for trying to look into the Ark of the Covenant, right? That offered up a strange fire. God did those different things. It was God that killed them. It wasn't the Ark of the Covenant. Sorry, uh, Indiana Jones, right? <laughs> it wasn't the Ark of the Covenant that contained the power. It wasn't, it was the faith. It was the, uh, the things of God. It was a symbol of God's of God's uh, worship, of things of worshiping of God, of God's commands. Of course, we also know that in the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's budded, rutted, Aaron's budded, rutted, Aaron's rod that budded. There he goes. And we know that that was in there as well. And people actually worshiped that as well. What was it? Nuhushtan? Nuhushtan? They actually worshiped that as well. They worshiped the things. They worshiped the law. Today they still worship the law. Ten commandments are everywhere. They don't follow them, but they sure do worship them. Right? The manna from heaven. They're trying to recreate manna. If it's not done a certain way, they're trying to recreate manna. And, we, you know, all these different things, that there was in the, all the different things they're trying to recreate because they're trying to 
make going back to a thing. You know, the, the Jews and the, and the what's that Hebrew roots movement? Every these different people are trying to go back and go so far back they miss the purpose of why they're going back. But for years the mercy seat was absent. For years the sacrifices were superficial. Every lamb, every year, every time was tradition. It was vain. The Bible says we're not supposed to follow the vain traditions received from our fathers, right? In Colossians it talks about those vain traditions. The things that we do just because it's, it's, we're supposed to do it. My dad, been in and out of church a lot of his life. He's back in church and he's really latching on, which is really, I'm happy for my dad. But he, he's been latching on. He's, he's, he's found about who this Phil Kidd guy was. And they've been listening to Phil Kidd, which I can think of a lot worse people to listen to than Phil Kidd, all right? My dad is good on doctrine. He's not going to go wrong on doctrine, but it's still, he's listening to Phil Kidd. I guess they did it this podcast from Recovering Fundamentalists. And my dad was listening to it. He was like, wow, I heard a lot of good things out of that. And my brother started getting into it. He's a big Phil Kidd fan. He started latching onto that and listening to some things from Phil Kidd. And he was just like, wow, this Phil Kidd was like, yeah, there's a lot of things with fundamentalism that's useless. It's stupid. Why do we have them anymore? Why do we have stances in fundamentalism? And it's like they were, but then Phil Kidd was also saying he was bashing that crowd or against that crowd for the extent they went. But there's a bunch of people out there who are like, I'm a recovering fundamentalist, man. Like we're some kind of alcoholics. Like we're some kind of, you know, drug druggies because we're, we're fundamentalists. And I'm like, people go to that extent. People go that far. They're, they're afraid of things. They're, it's, ridic it's ridiculous. I was at the flea market yesterday and there's a black shirt. And white, with white letters, it said, Wooden Spoon Survivor. There's that one, right? Wooden Spoon Survivor. How many times, how many of you get, got spanked by a wooden spoon? Kids, you know you have. Come on, raise your hands. I don't want to testify. I'm a wooden spoon survivor. You know what? I don't go and cast out the wooden spoons because I think they're evil because something happened. But where that's where we're living. We're living in this, in this day and age where the spiritual antifas, they're tearing down things that we held on to, that we believed in. I saw a video clip someone sent me of Pastor Anderson Pastor Anderson down there, and he was preaching, and he was saying, don't hate the people that brought you to Christ. Don't hate people that invested in your life and brought Christ to you, that built you up in the things of God. Don't hate them. He's saying, I don't hate him, his pastor when he was growing up because I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I, I love him. I'm thanking God for them. But you know what? We live in a day and age today where spiritual antifas are out there tearing down people because they may not have the same right stance on end times or on Zionism or on whatever, and they're tearing these people down. They're willing to tear down churches that are preaching salvation by grace through faith. They may not have everything correct, but they're going the right. They're they're, they're right on some things. Stop tearing down other churches. You know this Antifa bunch and the Black Lives Matter bunch. They're going on tearing down statues and tearing things down and saying, "Oh, how evil, wicked it was." I remember they, they, they're tearing down statues of people who actually stood for civil rights. Right. And they're tearing them down. It doesn't matter. They're just tearing down things they don't want in history. They don't want to be reminded of history. They don't want to be reminded of things in, in, the, in, their, in the nation's history. Things that didn't even directly affect them at the time. They're just tearing stuff apart. They get upset if you go up there and deface a flag or deface a painting that says BLM. And they get upset if you deface that, but they can deface the American flag. It's just, it's just the, the spiritual antifas and the physical antifas. But think about this. People are going through holding on tradition, to, 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 to tradition. If you're holding on to tradition, why am I having stuttering problems? Seriously, someone pray while I'm preaching and I stop stuttering. All right, please do that. I know this is from 
earlier I signed my name Elmer Fudd. This is all part of it. But um, the spiritual antiphas, spiritual these this, we're so afraid of tradition in today's culture that we're tearing down tradition. Things that have worked in the things of God for centuries, things that have worked in the things of God for decades, for years, we're tearing it apart. We got governors in California getting up and saying, hey, don't have church, and if you do have church, don't sing. And if you do go to church and you do sing, wear a face mask. Well, I can tell you three spiritual things, first of all. The Bible says we're not supposed to be hypocrites. We're not supposed to have, you know, wear a mask. We're not supposed to go, go to church with a mask. You know what I mean? We're not supposed to be a hypocrite. What we are is who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be open and honest before God. Right? Hiding ourselves behind masks, kind of feigning ourselves and not being open and honest and sincere one with another. Well, yeah, I know it's physically, but spiritually speaking, that's another reason I don't wear a mask. My wife can barely understand me when I talk. I mean, you can barely understand me when I talk. My wife's hearing impaired. She can't hear me all the time. I look at her, and, I, and I, she's not looking at my lips. She's like, try wearing a mask. And it's happened. Like I, if I'm driving down the road, I'm looking at her. There's times my pitch is not right. I remember raise my pitch, raise my tone, so she can hear what I'm saying. Because my tone, she literally cannot hear me. And I'm not putting my wife down. I'm putting no one down. It's just a matter of life. Okay, I'm not putting myself down. So, down. but it's like it's just a pitch communication problem. Could you imagine people having to wear a mask and do the same thing? I was at the you know this past week. I'm, I'm at the store, and this person's like. <laughs> I'm like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't understand it. It's bad enough going through intercom. You go to intercom, fa -fa 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 -fa. I'm like, what in the world? You got to drive to the window. Fa -fa -fa. Oh, I'm sorry, that was this intercom. You know, it's my bad. It's you. But you go to that same thing over and over again. It's like people have to wear masks, and it distorts it. But you can't. The government can't tell us we can't worship how to worship God. Has no place. Pharaoh tried that. Okay, well you can go, but don't bring your don't bring all your children. You can go, but don't bring the women. You can go, but don't leave the men folk. And Moses said, no, let my people go. We're going to go to the wilderness and worship. Well, you can go, but only be gone for a couple of days and come back. And only take calf for cattle. No, 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 no. We're going to go how we want to go to worship God, how God has showed us to worship. And you have no right telling us otherwise. Isn't it interesting they worship God without having the Ten Commandments? How do they worship? By sincerity and truth. We know that, right? So for years, this tradition, for all these years, they're they're doing things by tradition, and it was in vain. It was not. It meant nothing. Think about the wasted office, the high priest, a wasted office. No one to sac no one to, to to sprinkle blood upon the altar. No one to take the blood of the lamb, the atonement lamb, and put it in, and put it between the mercy seats. What was the point of it? They had this drape. They had this. They had the the. The inner, you know, the, the holy place where the priest would go. And yet there was nothing, there's, there was this for show. There's nothing behind that curtain. People held an office. Their specific purpose was to tend to the Ark of the Covenant. And they had, they, they were still employed. They, they had nothing going on. They were doing nothing. It was wasted offerings, wasted observances. But aren't you glad that we already know this, that the blood of sheep and goats do not equal salvation? We already know that, right? It never has. In the Hebrews chapter 9, the Bible says it's not by the blood of sheep and goats, it's by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, 
once and for all. It's not about the bleeding sheep. It's not about the bleeding sheep. It's about, it's about the bleeding Savior, right? But you find David, he sought to end this. David sought to end this, this vain worship. He said, you know what? I want to go back to a place where it actually meant something. We're going to go back and get the Ark of the Covenant. It belongs to God. The enemy has it. We're going to go back and take it. We're going to go back and get it. You know, we, some of this past week was wearing a t-shirt, taking back the rainbow. We're going to go, Brother Gable preached a sermon about that, what, last year? Maybe two years ago, whatever it was. Taking it back. We're going back and getting it. We're, the, the, enemy, the, the world has it. It's distorted its meaning. It's distorted its purpose. You know what? It means something to us. So we're going to go back and take it. And that's what David said. He said, we're going to go back to the Philistines. We're going to go and take the Ark of the Covenant that the Philistines took for how many decades, wasted worship, and we're going to go back and bring the things of God and make it meaningful again. David wanted to bring back the old-fashioned bloodstained way. The problem with it is, David's intentions did not mean it was right. David has intentions. His intentions were right. David wanted to go back and get it, and he did it bringing in new methods. David wanted to bring back worship, wanted to bring back meaningful worship, and bringing back what was sacred and holy, what things that God had given to them, and he wanted to go back and get it, but he did it the wrong way. He did it with right intentions, but with wrong application, with wrong methods. The intentions mean nothing to God. Your intentions mean nothing to God. How many of us have ever heard, well, your intentions are right, so God honors that? It's not found in Scripture. In fact, God killed people because their intentions were right, but they did it the wrong way. They brought in strange fire. God killed them. God, God is very holy. God is a holy... You think Cain wanted to worship? He wanted to worship with what, how he came to God. He wanted to worship. But as cruel as it, may, as it may sound, God rejects any worship other than his way. They may sound, well... With a God like that, well, what I want to serve him. You hear that from the world today. Well, God says, you know, God says, come out from among them, be separate. God says to be holy. God says, hey, we're supposed to put him first in all things. God's, you know, uh, Mateo's got some friends that are sitting back like, whoa, you're, you're taking this religious thing too thing. You're trying to be separate from the world too much now. You know, I don't think, you know, I don't think, you know, looking, looking for ladies, you know, I don't think you ought to lower your standards and you'll find a wife. Mateo's like, uh, no, don't dip your standards. Don't drop your standards. I know people. My wife knows people. We all know people that drop their standards, and they're out of the ministry. They're no use to God in the, in the ministry that they're supposed to be doing. They spent their life going to Bible college to learn to be a pastor, to go and, and to serve God, and to be a missionary. And they devote, they spent, whether or not you agree with Bible college is irrelevant right now, okay? They went and spent years of their life in, in, in education and influence and all that they had to go, and then they wound up getting involved with someone they dipped their sales for. The what is not as the what is just as important as the why and how. Don't dip your sales. Don't do it. But the intentions mean nothing to God. Go to John chapter 4. The intentions mean nothing to God. Well, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? We, we hear that phrase. It's not in the Bible, but we understand what it's saying. Your intentions, well, as long as I try to tell the matter, God knows my heart. Yeah, it's deceitful and desperately wicked, and who can know it? Congratulations. You can't go by your heart. Well, I mean, he means well. Well, yeah, he means well, but someone still has to straighten that buzzard out, let him know you're doing it the wrong way. God doesn't want 
false worship. God doesn't want new age worship. God doesn't want newfangled worship. We want revival. We got to do it God's way. I saw an Instagram picture this past week, and I don't why I don't why I don't get on Instagram. I can't stand it. But I got an Instagram this picture. This guy had Second Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and it had it highlighted like an American flag. If my people, which are called by my name, and I'm like, well, it's a great sentiment, but it's not just about America. It's about every group of people. But how we're going to solve America's problems is not Second Chronicles seven fourteen. It's John three sixteen. They got to be given the gospel. And so many people in the world aren't. There's so many Christians that aren't. There's so many Bible. There's so many people claiming that verse that are not even saved to begin with because they never come to Jesus Christ. They're not His people. We want God to heal our land. Let's preach Jesus Christ. Let's preach Jesus crucified, risen, and coming again. Let's preach that message to them. But in John chapter John chapter four verse twenty three, Jesus is there. And the woman says, "Hey, we worship God the Mount." Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is a place where, our, where men ought to worship. He says, we worship God. Our intentions are good. We worship God. Our fathers worship God in this mountain. We're good to go. Well, yeah, well, read, read, read over there in Judges chapter 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and find out how they didn't even chase out the inhabitants of the land that God told them to, and that God's wrath is turned against them, and instead of driving the enemy out, they lived among them. And God says, you do not please me well. You didn't do it, and now I abhor your sacrifices. Well, you know what? Your sacrifices, you worship the God with the, with the Jebusites and the Gibeonites and the Bidenites and whoever the Trumpites and all these different people are all around you. You worship God with these people, and instead of worshiping God in sincerity and truth, you're just kind of kumbayaing things, and God says, I abhor it. I hate it. Because they didn't drive them out. So yeah, our fathers worshipped God in this mountain. Yeah, but God, they worshipped God with Baal. They worshipped the same, the same altars with Baal as with Jesus, as with God. It was all wrong. Look at verse 23. But the hour cometh, sorry, verse number 22. But you worship, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit, intentions, and truth. We find this David who's so excited. He wanted to bring back, he wanted to bring back meaningful worship and not just have vain, useless worship. We want to have church again. We want to have worship again. So he went back to get the Ark of the Covenant, and he did it with a new method. He went and got an ox cart. And with some oxen. And that's not how God said to carry the ark. That's not how God said it at all. Go, Romans chapter 10, you find where God says, the Jews have a zeal of God, but it's not according to knowledge. They have a zeal, they want to worship God, but they worship them, they know not what. Go to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. Why I set my alarm clock, I've got no idea. Exodus 25, verse number 13. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, and thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be born with them. So that's how God wanted it. Nothing about an ox cart. Nothing about a cart. That's strike number one. Numbers chapter 4, verse number 15. Numbers 4, verse 15. God was specific how he wanted it. 
Rules, rules, rules. Gods, I'm going to worship you my way. If you don't like it, tough. Because my intentions is all that matters. It's the thought that counts. My wife likes her back scratched. If I rub her back, no, no, scratch it, scratch it, scratch it. I rub it. No, scratch my back. No, I'm going to rub my back. And if you don't like it, tough. Fine, then. Scratch it. <laughs> That's how the conversation goes. No, I, I just tease with her. This morning I scratched her back for 10 minutes straight. She's like, why don't you ever scratch my back? I'm like, I just scratched your back for 10 minutes straight. What are you talking about? My fingers are raw. I don't have any more fingernails. It's gone. Her back has got like lashes. It looks like I whipped her with a cat of nine tails. Harder. Scratch her back harder. She's. I'm like, honey, I'm pretty sure I need liniment oil. I'm pretty sure I just... Oh, I need her. Scratch me some more. Scratch my back some more. I'm like, seriously? I got no more fingernails. My fingertips are bleeding. And she's like, you never scratch my back. <laughs> but, you know, God, when God wants to be worshipped, he doesn't want us our, our, our false attempts. He wants us to worship him with the right intentions, but with truth. Numbers chapter number four. Did you find numbers? I couldn't find it this morning. I hope you find it now. Verse number 15. And when Aaron and his sons have made an end of covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of sanctuary... As the camp is to set forward, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to bear it. But they shall not touch any holy thing, lest they die. These things are the burden of the sons of Kohath and the tabernacle of the congregation. So now, now we find that it's not just anybody who can take, who can carry the Ark of the Covenant. We find it's the sons of Kohath, the Kohathites, the Kohath. They're the ones who are supposed to carry, to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Look at Numbers chapter 7. So it's not an ox cart, it's people. Okay? It's people. Chapter 7, verse number 9. <clears throat> uh, verse number 8. Now, verse number 7. Excuse me. <clears throat> Two wagons and four oxen he gave unto the sons of Gershon, according to their service. And four wagons and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari, according to their, unto their services. To, uh, according to their service. Under the hand of Ithmat, the son of Aaron, the priest. But unto the sons of Kohath he gave none. Wait a second. How come they can carry the, the fabric, and they can carry the fabric, and the altar of incense, and the altar of showbread, and all these, they have lever, and, the, and the, all, the, all the things that pertain to the house of God, they can carry an ox carts. But, uh, but my sons can't. You didn't give me any ox carts. You didn't give me any oxen. You gave me nothing. No. God didn't want it that way. Look at verse number verse number nine. Belong, um, because of the service of the sanctuary belonging to them was that they should bear it upon their Shoulders. That's how God wanted the ark to be carried. But David and his zeal trying to bring back worship violated this verse. Your intentions do not supersede Scripture. My intentions do not supersede Scripture. And if I can find something in my life that's wrong, and by the way, we have enough fault finders out there. I said this Wednesday, it was kind of funny. Brother Aaron posted the video from a sermon I preached on the way back about fault finders, and I forgot which sermon it was about, what it was. He comes up with some really cool titles. And, like, sub-points in the titles. I put the sermon notes. I'm like, I don't remember seeing that word. But he's just big words that I can't pronounce. It's pretty cool. It's great. But he put, in, the, in the thing, someone got on there and said, you're not qualified to be a pastor because you're a gluten. About a sermon, I preached about fault finding. And I'm thinking back, like, okay, if I 
dress this. I'm a fault finder from fault finding me, and I can't spell gluten. I'm a gluten. I'm like, okay, got it. This is whatever. I'm just find this funny. But your intentions don't matter, hella beans. You, what, what we think doesn't matter, hella beans, to God. It's how he desires to worship, be worshipped. Number two, we find involvement. David's zeal incited a willing men to join his faulty worship, his faulty attempts at worship. David's zeal incited willing men. Be careful when you're, when you're joining in, to an outstanding man, someone who is just, David has slain, Saul has slain his thousands, David has ten thousands. Talk about an outgoing, popular person. People love David. They followed David. You saw leading, leading on to it, where they came when they, they came and they anointed David last week. They came and anointed David king, and they just appointed his house of, of the king of the house of Judah, and they just praised him and lauded him. Hey, you've been you're you're the one that came in and went out. We know your reputation. You're a you're a good person. You're a good sir. You're a good leader. He's a man after God's own heart. Some of the people could easily follow. The heart of the people could follow David easily. But be careful when you have an outstanding person. That's even a man, a great man of God like David. Don't let their bad decisions force you or teach you bad decisions. Don't let me, this great person that I am, what are you laughing at? Really? <laughs> That's not a place to say amen, all right? Wait for the sign. Wait for the light. But I was like, don't let me persuade you to do wrong things. Don't let that lady that's got your head turned persuade you wrong things. Don't let that guy, lady, girls, excuse, never mind, don't mind this. Don't let that guy persuade you. Don't let that friend mess you up. Have sincerity. Have truth. But David was tunnel-visioned in his choice that he neglected the commandment of God. All these men went out there. Great big pomp and circumstance. 30,000 men going with him. And all these people. Everybody went out to go to the Ark of the Covenant to bring it back. They were so excited. The Ark of God. They were so excited. I might have to put down AOC. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> AOG. <laughs> not, 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 not. Anyways, AOC is that politician lady that wants to pass fart tax. You know. But, um... David was tunnel-visioned in his choice, and he was so ne he neglected it. They followed after David. They're going after David. They wanted to please and go along with the king, and they wanted to be so excited about the Ark of the Covenant coming back. They're so excited about the Ark of the Covenant coming back that they violated Scripture doing it. Can I tell you that when you lose something, it's so hard to get it back? So be careful what you lose. The things that you step, the things that you violate, the things that you passively you know, lose sight of, the things that you kind of put off. I mean, the woman lost her coin. She had to search, she had to tear her house up and clean it from top to bottom, looking high and low, trying to find that coin. The shepherd that lost the sheep had to tear, looking high and low everywhere, the rocks and rails, the thorns and bushes, the caves, until they found the lost sheep. Don't lose things that are so valuable you don't want to throw away. Because what you forfeit, it takes forever to regain it's hard to regain. It's, it's, sometimes you never get it back. So be careful. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Out of it are the issues of life. Right? I know I misquoted that verse. I missed up a word somewhere in there. But David was so tunnel visioned that he wanted to have, he got people involved. And I think, you know, something, I'm going to say this carefully so I don't offend anybody. Do you know what I love about the new IFB? 
their zeal for soul. There was a time in my life where I stopped sowing. There was a time in my life where I stopped. I would still be a witness, but I didn't sow. And what I love about the new IFB is their desire to see souls saved. But can I tell you something? A lot of times what they're doing is going the wrong way. And their intentions are good. And their involvement is there. But they're doing things the wrong way. You know, what, you know what's awesome about the old IFB? Their steadfastness. They stay put regardless if they're right or wrong. <laughs> they're stubborn. <laughs> they're steadfast in what they believe. You know something? They're doing it the wrong way. Because even when the Bible clearly teaches something opposite to it, they will not let up on that teaching. Well, well, I haven't studied it out. I mean, I've talked to my family about talk to my family members about something like even the, the second coming, about the rapture, right? About the rapture of the church after the tribulation. Well, you know, Dr. Hittabiddle said, I'm like, I don't care what Dr. So and so said. Did you read the Bible for yourself? Well, I'm not smart enough. I'm like, that's a cop out. You'll believe everything that Stonoff tells you, and you're so steadfast in your, in your self induced ignorance. And I love my family, but they're steadfast in the wrong things. Right? By steadfast, I mean like headstrong, not mature. Right? But it's like, they're 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 on the wrong things, and they do it. They're doing the right things. They're trying to do the right. Their their intentions are good, but it doesn't matter about your intentions and their involvement. They're there. They're present. They're up and down the church. They're they're in city, but they're in church buses today. Well, those are allowed. They're going up and down the church buses, picking up kids to come to church. They're teaching Sunday school. They have choir. They have preaching. They're going soul winning. Some are still doing soul winning. They're trying to do right, but they're wrong about some things. They're wrong about some big things, and they won't get right about it. They won't stop from those things because they're headstrong, and they involve other people towards it. Number three, indiscretion. They're indiscretion. Go back to Second Samuel chapter six. Verse 5. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on temporals and on the cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God, and he hold it for the ox the oxen he took hold of it for the oxen shook it. So, first of all, only the priests were supposed to touch it. Other people touched it. Well, God was lenient. By the way, never never take God's lenience for for permission. Okay, God's the wheels of God's wrath turn slow but exceeding fine. Aren't you glad God doesn't react to us doing something wrong by whipping us out and beating us with a wooden spoon just at the first time, the first thing off the bat? Aren't you glad that God's patient? Aren't you glad that God's long suffering? <laughs> If Lord of Ashes mark iniquities, who can stand? <laughs> who shall stand? Nobody. So aren't you glad that God's leaning it towards our towards our wrong suffering? Hey, he put upon upon an ark, strike two. They weren't supposed to put him on an ark on an ox cart. God never gave him an ox cart. Third, they touched it. Well, that seems kind of meaningless, God. I mean, where, why didn't you kill them when they touched it with, with, with the poles instead of the, the the right you know the right house the the those who were supposed to carry it? I forgot their names. Those who were supposed to carry it. Why don't you deal with it then? Then they put it in the ox cart. Why don't you do something with it then? 
You did it when someone with good intentions reached out and established the, established the, the ark? Well, when does God draw the line and say it's enough and us? When does God draw the line and say, you know what, your indiscretions are enough? You weren't discreet. You didn't have good judgment. And when does God have to sit back and say, you know what, enough's enough? And what sin? Well, why does God let good things happen? Why does God let bad things happen to good people? Because God lets good things happen to bad people. We're living in a sin-cursed world, people. But why, do, why is it we're always quick to judge God when cancer strikes? Why doesn't God quickly cut us off when we have the bad thoughts? Because God's long suffering and merciful. But God's blessing, in regards of God killing Uzzah, that God smote him there because of his error, and there he died by the ark of God. David was displeased, and, and uh, because of the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah until this day. To this day, and David was afraid of the Lord that day, and said, "How shall the ark of the Lord come to me?" You know what? He should have feared God and had the proper fear of God before he had God move with judgment. Can I tell you something? Old IFB, New IFB, Southern Baptists, Free Will Baptists, whatever kind of Baptists, I don't care what denomination, if you don't fear God, it doesn't matter how you try worshiping God, because if your fear of God is not right, your worship means nothing. Hey, Christian, if your fear of God is not where it's supposed to be, it doesn't matter how you try worshiping it, God will not accept it. Fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. You want to worship God? Fear Him. Have that proper fear. God's blessing was still on the ark. Even though everything was wrong in how they moved it, God's blessing was still on the ark. God's blessing was not on us. <laughs> David was sore displeased. He was displeased before God, and he, then he started fearing God. But David was sore displeased with God over what God did. Cain's countenance fell. When your worship gets rejected, how do you react? Do you abhor the sacrifices of God? Do you walk away from the Lord and follow him no more because his teaching is too hard? When your form of worship gets rejected by God, what is your reaction? God demanded holiness. Look at verses number 10 through 15. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him in the city of, the, of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. He got it off the cart, and the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. God still blessed the things of God. The things of God are still blessed. The things that God has, they're still his, it was not a cursed thing. God still was blessing. Okay, And it was told King David, saying... Um, the Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that pertained unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fat ones. Well, what happened? David realized, you know what, We're gonna, if I'm going to go back and have God's blessings, we're going to do it God's way. And when they did their first start out, okay, here we go. Those guys are like, are you sure about this? Can you imagine the priest who the shoulders like, oh, my truth, listen, guys, be careful how you, be careful where you walk. Let's carefully, carefully. 
bear with me for bringing out a Hollywood movie. Did anyone ever watch the movie Mouse Hunt? Come on, Mouse Hunt, awesome movie. The, their dad dies, they're carrying the casket with their dad down these great big Catholic Gothic steps, and the and the wood breaks off or handle breaks off or something, and the casket goes sliding down the stairs, goes into a manhole, and flips out, and the body falls out and goes into the manhole in the middle of the street. It's this hilarious slapstick humor. Can you imagine them holding onto the ark? Ready, guys? I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I'm prayed up. Let's go. All right. One step. Two step. Six paces. Stop. Let's sacrifice. We're alive. <laughs> God didn't smite us dead. Thank you, God, for saving my soul for not dead. Well, you know what? Hey, what about when you're supposed to preach? You're not filled with spirit. What about you're supposed to preach? You're not. Your intentions are right, and your involvements are right, but your discretion's wrong. Do we not fear God that he'll strike us? Ananias and Sapphira gave to the church willingly of what they had. It was not commanded. Of what they had. But they did it with the wrong, they did it with, they had involvement. It was right in the fact that they wanted to give. Their intentions were good to give. Their indiscretion was wrong in the fact that they lied about what they gave. And God smote them. And people feared Whenever God spites people, people fear. Whenever God punishes, God people fear. Those that sin rebuke before all that others may fear. When God smites someone down, it's ought to, it ought to bring fear of God upon people's life. We need to have that. Yes, but no. You want to worship God? Make sure it's His way. Don't do it. We ought to not do it so flippantly. Think, hey, we're okay. God's gonna, God's gonna have to do it. It's my best. God's going to have to accept my sacrifices as best. It's my best. No, worship him not just in spirit, but in truth. The time for us to worship in spirit has been for 70, 80 to 100 years while the Ark of the Covenant is in the Philistines. And David says no more. But in, even in bringing things back to doing things God's way, make sure we're doing it God's way to bring it back God's way. We've got, we're so... We, we have... Brothers and sisters in Christ, like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ, around the world, all across the country, that are so strong-willed on doing things a certain way. And they're so trying so hard to be anti-worldliness and to be so separated unto God that they're willing to forgo the fruits of the Spirit. And they're manifesting the fruits of the Spirit. They're trying so hard that what's coming out of the fruits of the flesh. But yet they're trying so hard to do things right. Meanwhile, there's a bunch of people over here that are doing absolutely nothing, that are demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, but they're not doing anything with it. They're just lazy people. They're not serving God in sincerity or truth. They're not studying. They're kind of stagnant, stuck, won't grow. Somewhere in between is the happy truth of serving God in spirit and in truth. And that's who God desires. To, that's who God will accept worship from. Those that worship in spirit and in truth. Your intentions aren't good enough. Your involvement's not good enough. Your indiscretion has got to be counted as well. You've got to know what you're doing it and doing it God's way. The Bible says in verse number 15, sorry, verse 14, <laughs> 
And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of God, the ark of the ark of the Lord, excuse me, with a shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. They were rejoicing. They were excited, rejoicing because they were bringing back things of God in God's way. But you know what? Jesus made a new and living way. It doesn't mean he did out he outdid with the blood sacrifices, because all those blood sacrifices were just showing the way to Jesus Christ. Even with the blood sacrifice, striking the sides of the posts. Well, year in, year out. Oh, okay, take the lamb, slide his throat. Okay, take the blood, slide it on the altar. Oh, yeah, eat all of it. Okay. Here we go again. Oh, hey. It's like going all this over and over again. It was never. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It was never. It was never meant to to fall into a ritual. It was to always remember we took the blood of this innocent lamb. And this innocent lamb is a picture of one day the one who would die for my sins, the Messiah. They would not die for his sins, but for my sins. And as I take this lamb, I realize this lamb is not going to save me. I've got to do it again next year. The same, the same, the same lamb, these, these sin offerings. It doesn't, it doesn't save me. It doesn't redeem me, but it reminds me that one day there is going to be that one, that Lamb of God, that will take away the sins of the world. And as I slay this Lamb, I'm looking forward to the day where I will have, where I will, where my sins will be finally paid for. You know, I mean, they live by faith in what Christ was going to do. We look back and say, you know what, my sins have been paid for. Not by my works, not by my righteousness, not by sacraments, not by anything I've done, but what Christ has done. And our and their faith was accounted for righteousness, and our faith is also ascribed for righteousness because of the faith in Jesus Christ. The Ark of the Covenant was not necessary for worship. For salvation, excuse me. It was necessary for worship. Let me go back and clean that up. The Ark of the Covenant was not necessary for salvation. It was necessary for worship. Things that we have in our life, hey, we're saved. Thank God for that. But how much is our worship in vain when we don't have the right intentions? Or when we have the right intention, we're not doing it God's way. Let's seek out the right way. Let's get rid of our ox cart. We don't need it. That ox cart was not meant for that part of worship. There's things that we do are not meant for that type of thing. God gives us the ox cart. God gives us the people who are supposed to do it. Those people are blessed. Those people are given by God for that purpose. Let's worship God in sincerity and truth. That's, that's the worship he requires. That's the worship he accepts. Let's go ahead and pray.